You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Vavil UK's very own Newcastle United podcast, Tyne Warp. It's been a while, hasn't it? I'm your host, Harry Roy, and this week I'm joined by Alex Wood. No Dan this week, so basically we rescheduled this podcast by two days because we wanted to get Dan on. And then we got a text at about half an hour before we're set to go on, saying he's gone to the pub, totally forgot about the podcast and won't make it in time. So, <laughs> nice one Dan, we'll get you back on next time, but... It's been two and a half weeks since our last episode. We do apologise for that, but we uh, we owed it to you. We needed to get one out this week, and safe to say, quite a lot has happened. Transfer window has come to a close. Thank the Lord. Five players in, multiple positions. I feel the club have done well. But Alex, what would you give our business as a mark out of ten? A strong seven. There's probably one player uh, missing to give it a nine. Nine out of ten, or a ten out of ten, if you want to say it, but definitely a seven, uh, a seven out of ten, or a B minus. Yeah, I would say seven as well. To be fair, I think it would have been a ten out of ten if we got Lingard and Botman. That would have been the perfect window. But I think everyone's got to like realize. I'm sure we all do that. It's such a difficult market to operate in. We've essentially tried to do a, a summer transfer window in 31 days, and I feel the club have done very, very well with the players they've brought in. I mean. We've you know, addressed the issue with centre-back by bringing in Dan Byrne. Ideally, I think we all would have wanted another centre-off as well, but 25-man squad, all that sort of thing. Matt Target, left-back. We just spoke about it there, Alex, didn't we, before we went on and said, very, very surprised that Aston Villa have actually let him go out on loan. Sort of you know, huge gain to us. And the man we're all going to get onto now, obviously on top of Chris Wood and 
Kieran Trippier, Bruno Guimaraes, I think I'm saying that correctly, I'm not Brazilian, but I'll call him Bruno from now on. Deal of around £33.5 million, I think it's going to rise up to £40-45 million, but Alex, are you surprised that we've been able to get in a player of this quality and the position we're in at the minute? It is honestly baffling when you consider the other clubs that were linked with him. Yeah. So you've got you know, you've got Arsenal, you've got Tottenham, Manchester United were even sniffing around uh, a little bit because he's basically a Brazilian Bruno Fernandes, and I I cannot believe he went. Yes, we will go to Newcastle United. This this club up north that has so much potential. Yes, let's be that marquee man. Let's be that signing. And honestly, when he first gets that ridiculous applause and yeah. standing ovation at St James's Park, I think he'll actually realise why you come to this football club because he is going to be adored. Alan St Maximum might be a little bit stroppy for two, for two <laughs> or three weeks because Bruno's going to be the man for, for, for a couple of minutes until Alan St Maximum dances down the touchline and does six, six step-overs and everyone gets off the seat again. But no, honestly, he's unbelievable. Um, we've already seen him, seen him in, in action, not in a Newcastle United shirt, in a Brazil shirt. When was the last time that actually happened for <laughs> for Newcastle United? Um, and he he looked phenomenal. He looked like everything this team had, had been missing. Um, I, I will say, I will dig John Joe a little bit, although he's been brilliant <laughs> since Eddie Howe's come in. He, he looks like John Joe Shelby if the man could run. Thing is, I think Bruno him coming in is going to help Shelby out a lot. To be fair, I don't think he's going to have to do as much defensive work. I think that's that's the big thing. It was the most important signing the club could have made this window. I certainly think it was actually bigger than bringing in like a Botman or a Diego Carlos. We were crying out for a proper holding midfielder, and this man's going to strut his stuff. And I can't believe that he's chosen Newcastle because I remember when the first little rumours came out of Brazil that he was, you know, apparently would agree to fee and all that sort of thing. And I got sent it off uh, one of my friends who was an Arsenal fan. And he, I was like, nah, it's, it's all a load of rubbish. It's paper talk. Look, it'll be it'll be his agent trying to get him a move to Arsenal or something like that. And then it just happened, didn't it? It was just developed day after day. And all of a sudden, Bruno is here. But do you not think it's a statement of intent? I know we, we've spoke about this quite a lot with other players, but... To bring in a player of his quality, 24 years of age, Brazilian international, a, a player that could have went to Arsenal, Juventus, you know, so many clubs are after him. Just to show that the level you cast United are at now. When you're bringing in a player like of this quality, when you're 18th in the league, you're aiming for the stars, aren't you? Yeah, 100%. And let's not get it twisted. Uh, he is an unbelievable quality. Um, he's proven it at all levels, really, um, at the top level in the French League, which we know there are certain world-class players that, uh, that haven't done that this year. He has. He's proven it year after year at, um, at Lyon. But we haven't, we haven't gone out and splashed £80 million on him. We were told at the beginning of the window that PIF are not going to go out and do that. And we, we, at the end of the window, we're sitting here and going, they have not done that. For any of the players that we, we've signed, any of the five, not one of them have been mm. overpaid or overpriced. Yes, you could maybe argue with Chris Wood, but it was a yeah. release clause so that we definitely got a player in for the Watford game because of Callum Wilson's injury and we weren't left without a focal point up front because Eddie Howe's system needs a focal point up front. So, yes, this is the kind of player we're going to go for. But you also have to add that little um, asterisk in there as well 
that we are not going to overpay. We're not going to have 55, 65 million pound yeah. players, or at least now we're not. For the next three, four, five seasons, I can imagine is finding these little hidden gems and many people go looking back and going, how in the world have they got him for that price? Yeah, I think you've got to give credit to them really because they, they've gone out from the start. I mean, we're doing everything backwards at the club at the minute because ideally we would have had a director of football and players spot and direct there, you know, all these things these big elite clubs have. And all we've had really is a few advisors, Amanda and Mirdad, who you've got to commend. They work first class this window. The effort they have put in is absolutely unbelievable. So much credit to those guys because January is such a difficult month and, you know, they've come away with a with a very, very impressive first transfer window. And like you said, they've not really overpaid for players. The only one you would say they've overpaid for is Chris Wood. And the Watford game was essentially a cup final and we needed a striker. And really, how much have we overpaid for for Wood? Five million? Seven million? It's, it's a nominal fee really, isn't it? So I think... On the basis of of you know um, not being ripped off, I think they've they've done themselves a massive favour heading into future transfer windows as well because I think everyone knows that Newcastle are just going to be a mug in the transfer market and aren't going to come out and pay you know hundred million pound for a player you know they're not frightened to walk away from the table and our hands are only going to strengthen in the summer isn't it if we if we do stay up and Alex that brings me on to like confidence of staying in the division now because you look at the teams around us. Burnley, you know, were, I was getting grilled all, you know, till the end of the transfer window off, off Johnny, our editor-in-chief, saying that, you know, we've, uh, they've pulled the pants down for Chris Wood and they're signing Orsic and Weghorst and, you know, Seiko Fafana. And then he brought in one player and it was Weghorst. Who I think you'll do all right for Burnley, but they've, they've not brought in anyone else, have they? So they're essentially back at where they started before Chris Wood, albeit 13 million richer. Watford have spent I think about 25 million they've brought in a handful of players but you can't say any of them are gonna set the world alight really and and Norwich City have have as we expected done zero business so you look at those three teams we need to beat how confident are you of survival now because for me if if we don't achieve it there's, there's something gone wrong catastrophically here yeah a hundred percent um I was confident before January that we, we would yeah. stay up. I, I I think we have enough quality when um, our entire team is fit. Um, there are three worse teams in this division than us. Um, normally, that's that's the old saying catchphrase, isn't it? There's three worse teams. Yeah, it's the cliche there. Three worse teams there, blah, 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 blah. Um, we would have loved to have said that we, we could have seen Brentford also starting to get dragged into but that as well know. towards yeah, the exactly. back, back half of the season. But now they've just signed an absolute world beater in Christian Eriksen. So may, maybe not, or, although we don't know exactly his fitness and what he's going to be doing. Everton, now they've got super Frankie Lampard, Deli Alley, Donny van der Beek. We expect them to start Tell climbing. Tell you what, though, Alex, I, don't, I think if we beat them, we'll get onto Everton later on in the podcast for the preview. But I think if we beat them, we can bring them into a world of trouble. And you've got to consider there as well, it's so toxic at Everton at the minute. And we all know another few more losses for them. You know, the, the boo boys are going to come out again, aren't they? Yeah, of course. Um, and Frank Lampard really does need to hit the ground running there, um, especially with the fact that on deadline day he went, I want these. And yeah. Everton went out and did that. Um, they kind of have that habit. Um, look at El Ghazi, the, the loan from Aston Villa for, for that, because um, Rafa said, I want him, and then they went out and got him, and then two days later, they sacked him. Um, but yeah, no, there are three worst teams in this division. I 100% think we will stay in this league, massively. Um, the talent that we have now, um, you can 
possibly create a spine of Newcastle United and go, those guys would probably fit in 14 different teams in this yeah. league. Yeah, I would agree as well. I was, I was talking to my dad, really, and uh, we were kind of saying the same thing around like our squad now and full strength You know, with the five new lads. And you've got to say that it's probably one of the best teams we've had in a long, long time, really, isn't it? Yeah, like um, maybe when we we finished fifth under Pardew, that that team yeah. was phenomenal. Uh, I don't I think it's as good absolutely. as that, but it's you know no. it's not, it's way better than the, the, any of the teams have had probably for the last six seven years. I would say. Yeah, of course, and uh, like when you spend ninety million pounds in a transfer market o- uh, over a month, mm-hmm. you you would expect that to happen. And um, like I think just moving all, all the way back to our, our transfer business, I think it. Uh, when you said what Stavely and co have managed to do in a month is absolutely astronomical. Let's just wait a hundred, a hundred plus days. We've got three months. We've got three months. If they could do this in a month, what are they going to be able to do in a month? In three, it's absolutely unbelievable. But no, we're a hundred percent staying up. There's no, there's no even stress about it now. Um, stress. Yes, the Newcastle, next, the, 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 the next, the next few games are very, very crucial against teams that are around us and surrounding us. But I, I yeah, I'm not panicking. I, I, I think the time will come. Yeah, I, I, I somewhat agree with you. I still think it'll not be as easy as you've, as you've put it out. But there's no real excuses, is there, for this team not to stay up now with the, with the business they've done. I mean, like I said before, I think another centre half and Lingard, which. That's so frustrating, isn't it, not getting Jesse Lingard? Why on earth Manchester United will not let him go? Apparently, we bid on deadline day a package of around £7 million to Man United for a player that is going to walk out that door for free in the summer regardless. He'll not get a kick for them, and they've said no. It's it's mad, isn't it? What do you think the, the motives are behind that? Are they scared of future competition, do you think? It, uh, I don't think they're scared of future competition. I think they're scared of... Um, they get one or two injuries, okay? So, um, Marcus Rashford's been kind of inconsistent all year. Yeah. Um, Ahmed Diallo's already out on loan. Um, obviously, the the man that we we probably yeah. will not we shouldn't we'll name not there. That's him, yeah. that, that's obvious. Um, he's gone, um, and like Paul Pogba's also had his injury issues this year. Um, so. Oh, we we had Edison Cavani who's thirty six. So there's five players right there um, that are gone for their team. So they might not want to keep him, and Ralph Ragnick might not like him, but they might be forced to play him. Yeah, and he's a top player as well, isn't he? Like, there's no there's no dispute in that. I'm just, I just think it's it's crazy me that they've not let him go. I mean, he's not started a game for for Man United for two years now. And he's not all of a sudden going to break into that team again, is he? Ralph wanted him. Said yes, you can go. And obviously, twice that yeah. uh, twice that that agreement was there between the man and the player. He's given him uh, time off. He won't feature um, while we're recording this. It's a Friday evening. He won't feature this evening against Middlesbrough in the FA Cup. So, like, he has given him that time. And he, Ralph Ragnick, by the way, has handled this perfectly. Mm-hmm. Um, Manchester United's management team have handled this brilliantly and I think Ole Gunnar Solskjaer handled Jesse Lingard really well as well. I think Jesse Lingard's handled this expertly as well. It it kind of is Edward Woodward's last hurrah because obviously he resigned February 1st. So it is Edward Woodward's last hurrah. Um, whether Man United have knew would have let him do that in, in the summer when they don't have a choice mm-hmm. um, and he inevitably joins West Ham anyway. So yeah. <laughs> we, we, we never really know. But yes, he is a very, very top player. And if we'd managed to get Jesse Lingard as well, then 
I, I really don't know. We'd have been laughing, laughing our socks yeah. off, really. Did you see what Callum Wilson um, said in a podcast? I think it was either yesterday or today, and he kind of said he, he wished that we'd got another striker in. I just thought that was quite interesting, to be honest, and it, it gives us a bit more of an update on his injury as well. And I, my worry is I don't think we're going to see him for the rest of the season. I hope I hope we get him back because I think we, we desperately do need him. But if we are relying on Wood and Gale, it is a bit of a risk, isn't it? And it just shows that like that the whole Lingard saga on deadline day, you know twinned with the Ekatike thing and I'm not wanting to come I mean I understand it to be fair but the Lingard thing really really snookered us didn't it because I think we would have went for Deli Ali, missed out on him to go to Everton I think the backup backup was Todd Cantwell who ended up going to Bournemouth so I think that Lingard thing's really messed us up but Wilson's comments do they if you if you have seen them do they worry you a little bit because they certainly did for me yeah of course uh, Newcastle without Callum Wilson are, are a shell of who they are um, that's always been the case since we bought him in for £20 million. We've always said whenever he plays football, Newcastle United are a mid-table, very, very good football team. Yeah. They always are a goal threat. He scored six goals this season and it's still the highest that we've done. He's absolutely phenomenal. He is a genuine goal threat whenever he's fit. The problem is, is that whenever he's fit, and we've had this problem under Steve Bruce whenever we brought him in. Where's our backup striker? Where's our backup striker? Where's our backup striker? And now we're, uh, it looks like we're going to have this problem with Chris Wood. Where's our backup striker? Where's our backup striker? Yeah. Um, but hey, what will normally end up happening to Newcastle United is um, last game of the season, Dwight Gale comes on for five minutes, scores the winner against Burnley. We stay up. Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if, if, I, you're, if I'm Dwight Gale listening to them comments, though, I'm like, a bit annoyed to be fair because I think Gale probably knows himself that on his day he's a, he's a decent finisher I think look he's not good enough for Premier League anymore but if I was Gale I would be like you having a laugh like oh, I can I can jump in here the, the Dwight Gale saga really is a, a very difficult and strange situation because when he came back from that West Bromwich Albion loan where he'd, he'd done absolute bits in the championship yeah. We were all rubbing our hands together and going, whoa, he's ready to kick on in the Premier League now. Yeah. Let's let's go. We've solved our striker issues that we've had since uh, Demba Bauer and Papa Cissé have left. Crack on. Yeah, we're all sorted here. This is really... <laughs> I'm feeling good. Um, and then he missed 13 clear-cut chances in a season and we were terrible. And it, he's never really recovered from that. No. Ever. And it's not... It's no longer a confidence thing for me. It is a... He has questioned his own ability and regressed so far that I, we've seen him when he comes on as a substitute. He's not sharp. He is very lethargic. And I just don't think he fits well into this Eddie Howe attacking system at all. No, I think he needs a man up front with him, doesn't he? And I don't think Wood and Gale. Like if, if it was 2016, Chris Wood and Dwight Gale were winning the league, but not in 2022, unfortunately. I just want to touch on our other two signings because we've kind of like not spoke about them because Bruno Fever and everything else going on. Dan Byrne and Matt Target. I mean, Target, like we've said before, surprised Villa over letting him go out on loan because he's a very, very good left-back. If I'm in Aston Villa's situation, I ain't, I ain't loaning him to Newcastle because I think Villa are, have got very, very ambitious owners. You know, the, the players they brought in in this month have emphasised that and they're going to be up there competing for Europe, hopefully alongside... Us, so if you're if you're Villa, I, I think they're mad. But Newcastle's gain, isn't it, with Target? I think we we're after a a solid left back option for a while, and I certainly think we've got that now. Yeah, and, uh, like obviously with it being a six month loan with no obligation to buy and no mandatory future fee, 
Um, it's an opportunity for Aston Villa to look at what they've got um, with Luca Digne, see if he fits in Steven Gerrard's system. Shock, he does. Um, see what Ashley Young wants to do at the end of the season. And then reassess the option. If Matt Target doesn't fit into that system and went, well, actually, boss, I kind of liked it at Newcastle. Can I can I leave and search for football elsewhere? Then Matt Target's got every right to do that. He's 26 years old, needs to search, search for that. In my opinion, doesn't really have an opportunity to get into the England side and ever really crack yeah. on as an international thing. So why not be part of a new dynasty? Am I going to be part of that at Aston Villa where I really like it and shot... The players really like me. He was players player of the season last season when Jack Grealish was still there. Yeah. So I, he is really well loved around there. It is a shock that he's there, but again, it it, it suits everybody because Villa get back a fully fit player that's played a dozen games left uh, this season because he is going to play every single week, isn't he? And we get a very solid left back and possibly one of the best or if not one of the top five fullback duos in the entire Premier League. Yeah, I mean, look what we've gone from in like a month. We've gone from Mankiw and Richie or Kraft and Richie to Trippier and Target. I mean, it's some upgrade, isn't it, when you think of it? Uh, you even had Jacob Murphy in there as yeah. well. and uh-huh. uh, you, You've put Mankiw, Murphy, Kraft as a centre-back three. Like, yes, we... <laughs> Really, yeah. Realistically, we've gone, we've gone from right. Okay, now it's Kraft that's going to have to play in the centre back three, or even Isaac Hayden that's going to have to yeah. play in the centre back three. Two. All right, now we're going to have to switch to a five back. Oh right, yeah. Just bring on Dan Byrne. He's oh yeah. He's what? Oh, he's what? He's six seven. Oh right, yeah. We'll be fine. We'll be fine. What do you think about the Dan Byrne move? Because I, I think we've had a, we've had a blinder to be honest for this one. I mean. He's six foot seven. I think we needed some height in the squad. He's probably in the form of his life, so he's going to bring confidence. And he's a local lad, and we've not paid, you know, overly that much for him. I think it was eleven million with two million of add-ons. I think it's a, it's a no-brainer. I think it's a fantastic move for him. What do you think about Dan Byrne? I I like it. Um, there was a couple of I, I did see a couple of Brighton fans um, like on Twitter saying. Haha, you got one. Uh, you got the worst of the three of our centre backs out of um, Adam Webster, Lewis Duncan, Dan Byrne. Um, but I disagree with that. Like, um, as soon as we were linked with Dan Byrne, I did did the you know what good old YouTube compilations to make myself feel better <laughs> about it. Um, and I saw the I saw the I don't know if you've seen the video. If not, I'll send it in um, like our little Vavil group chat um, yeah. so that you can see it. Where um, Edison plays a really long ball. And Dan Byrne over over his shoulder touches it down, and Sergio Aguero gives him a fist bump and respect. God's recognised God's mercy. That is unbelievable. And like, there's a load of there's a load of clips of him just bringing down really long balls with his feet instead of just his head. So that is another presence that we need at the back. That calming energy and the kind of silkiness of the touch, plus the fact that he can play right back, still mm-hmm. makes me laugh. That's crazy, six foot seven right I, back. I love it so much. It, it is absolutely brilliant. The main reason I really want him to just play right back once, just once this season, when, when so that we safe. can have when we're safe. Yeah, of, of course, when we're safe. Like he he, he can play centre back, he can play right back when we're safe, and then he can have Ryan Fraser in front of him, so that that right wing is going to be the tallest outfield player registered in the Premier League and the smallest outfield player in the uh, registered in the Premier League. And I just want them to stand next to each other as yeah. much as possible. The training admin hasn't done that yet, 
And I really, I really want that to happen. Please, please, Newcastle training admin, make it happen. I must say, I didn't think of it until now, but that is absolutely hilarious, having Ryan Fraser stand next to Dan Byrne. Even when they're lining up before the game, I want them two stuck together. Someone has to make that happen. But as we only brought in one centre-back, obviously Byrne's going to start. Who'd you put in alongside him? Because, I mean, you would immediately think the cells, wouldn't you, because he's captain, but I, I, he shouldn't be in the team. Fabian Shaw had a fantastic game against Leeds, which we'll touch on before the Everton game. Got man of the match. Do you bring him in? I think it's one of them two, isn't it? The non-shock here is I love Fabian Shaw. I've, I've always been his his biggest praiser on this podcast. Um, I think he's absolutely phenomenal. Yes, he has bad games and his concentration is iffy, um, but he him next to Dan Byrne. I think Dan Byrne is a real solidifying figure. Adam Webster's the voice, and Dan Byrne is just the guy that mops everything up when Brighton play that three back. Um, and I, I kind of think that can work at Newcastle. Um, you can have Dubravka or Trippier being the voice and Dan Byrne just silently mopping everything up. And then alongside Fabian Cher, that is, I really like him. I think he, he brings an overall uh, brilliance to the game. And then, yes, obviously you have LaSalle's if you're playing a three-back, but Newcastle are going to play a four-back four, four formation now. Um, and, yeah, LaSalle starts, starts getting uh, shaded out of the team or if Shah has more injury problems, which we always know he has, um, then you slot yourselves in there as well and you have Captain Fantastic next to um, the local Geordie boy. Yeah, I think bringing in Byrne, I think will help the confidence of that centre-back pairing because I just think that they're so void of any confidence at all that, you know, it's, it's like you see with, you know, I'm not going to go compare Van Dijk to, <laughs> to Dan Byrne, but you look when Van Dijk's in the Liverpool team and like he just has that aura about him, doesn't he? And like, you could put, I could probably stand next to Van Dijk and set him off pairing for Liverpool and I could look brilliant. So if Dan Byrne can bring that, you know, that energy, that confidence to his game, then I think it will raise everyone else's around them. So I would have liked another centre half in. I mean, like I said, Botman would have made it a ten out of ten window, but can't grumble that the business was done. Dan Byrne target, big thumbs up from me. But obviously, with new players coming in, it means that we've had to trim the squad and the twenty-five man squad you need for the Premier League, and we've had to cut a few out. And it sparked a little bit of controversy at the three players that have being left out I mean Kieran Clark being the first one I don't think anyone could have any complaints about that really well I don't think there'd be any to be fair and um, the second one was my mind has gone blank who was the second one again Isaac Hayden I... was the second yes Isaac Hayden was the second one been injured for quite a while look probably not going to be back till mid-March we've got midfield cover yeah I, I, I see why third one which I don't agree with Jamal Lewis I think he's been it's quite harsh to be fair but I think Newcastle probably thought, look, we'll leave Lewis out of the squad. He's a young lad. We'll get him alone. And he can play his football till the end of the season. And he's getting that regular action. You know, we can have like the likes of Richie and Mankiw registered. A little bit older, senior guys. It's not much of an emphasis on their development as much compared to Lewis. But the problem is, he's refused to go out on loan, as we know it. And he's going to be here at the end of the season not getting a game. I think it's mad leaving Jamal Lewis out. I- do you agree? Because, yeah, I'm, I'm baffled by it. But the only reason I can see why they've done it is because other players are quite versatile, like Richie can play many positions. Same with Mankiw, that sort of thing. And Jamal Lewis is injury prone. Yeah, he's had that hamstring problem as well, hasn't he? He's had, he's had that hamstring problem for nearly a year and a half. Um, and he's had, I think, I, I think we're up to two surgeries on it now um, that he's had on that hamstring. But, um, yeah... 
that that would be the the thing for me. Um, the other thing as well is like if if you Eddie Howe and a player has refused a loan deal, um, when you've just brought in a centre back, a left back that's Matt Target, and you know that your backup is going to be Matt Ritchie because he he knows the system you want. He's also a senior figure in the dressing room. Um, you you don't have a third left back. We might have a third right back because, as you've said, um, Kraft can play multiple positions, Manquillo can can play multiple positions, and so can Jacob Murphy. So, yeah, you're the guy getting left out, Jamal. Sorry, mate, but you should have taken your loan deal. I read something the other day, I think it was in The Athletic, and it was like the whole you know players and Jamal Lewis situation. And a lot of them don't want to take the risk of like going out to the championship and having a bad few months, and then their stock like completely drops. As opposed to sitting in the under-23s, everyone forgets about them. Comes back into the team next season, has one good game, and he's immediately the next best thing since sliced bread. I mean, you've got to give credit to Jeff Hendrick, haven't you? I mean, he's not. You know, fans have not really warmed to Hendrick because he's not been the best player at the club. But look, he's gone out on loan, and he's you know he's wanting to play his football. And commend him for that, don't you? With the fact he's gone to QPR, is it's brilliant. They're pushing. They're fourth in the championship at the moment. They're pushing for that second automatic spot. Um, they're literally two points off with the game in hand right now um, on Blackburn Rovers. Uh, yeah, it's a really, really smart move by QPR. They're really, they're really chasing hard to get back into the promised land of the Premier League. Um, I don't overly like a lot of the business they've done, but this is a smart one. He's got experience of the league. Yeah, it, it really, really works. And um, I believe they had a major injury in their centre midfield, so he will get game time with Jeff Hendrick. Good luck, Jeff. And while we're on the topic of Championship football... West Bromwich Albion have appointed a certain manager uh, this week. Steve Bruce, after seeing that he would probably, Newcastle would have been his last job in football, he took the job at the Baggies, 18-month contract. Brucey is back. Alex, think he's going to get them promoted? No. <laughs> Did you hear what he said about uh, Newcastle? Because he's, he's been talking about us again in his, in his press conference today. I honestly haven't. I haven't seen a word of what Steve Bruce has said. Um, since he's left uh, as Newcastle United manager. The only thing I've seen of Steve Bruce is when he was at the cricket two weeks later. Well, I'll you know, let's get your instant reaction on this. So he said, Newcastle is gone. It's a chapter of my football life. I want them to do well under Eddie. I want them to succeed. It was a difficult time for me, but in a few years, they might think finishing 12th and 13th mightn't have been bad after all. He's just got that little digging, hasn't he? It was going so well. I, mean, look, I wish him all the best. Before. <laughs> he was doing really well, and he could have. It could have been. A, he says he's a Newcastle United fan, right? He always has said that. He's reiterated it forever. I'm a fan first. I've always been a fan of the club. I'm. A, I'm from here. I'm this. I'm that, and the other. No fan would say that. I, I'm sorry, no fan would be like, yeah, but I got them 12 and I, think, I just think managers, though, they have an ego, though, don't they? And I think even, you know, when they're in the most untenable positions like we've seen with Bruce, he always had that self-belief that he could turn things around when it was so obvious that the walls were caving in around him. Right, yeah, um, and, like, okay, I'll, t- I- I'll take the self-serving thing and actually be a journalist for a second. Um, good luck to him, honestly, good luck to him. That yeah. West Bromwich Albion side, he's inherited, um, have... Many of the similar problems to Newcastle, um, apart from the fact they can actually defend. West Bromwich Albion this season have been brilliant defensively. The only problem is they can't score goals. They've been absolutely abhorrent at scoring goals this season. They also let go of one of their main strikers in Carlo Grant. 
West Brom is a garbage fire at the moment, but they they have made some good signings over the January window. He has got a strong squad. Yeah, like fair play to him. Good luck. They're they're currently six points off. Um, no, not even six points. Yeah, sorry, eight points off of second place. That second automatic spot. Um, they're on the same amount of games as Blackburn Rovers, and as you know, that Championship playoff race is disgustingly tight every season. Um, from Forest on forty-three points to Blackburn Rovers being that second um, automatic spot on fifty-three. There, there's ten points between them all. That is awful. It's so tight. Uh, the reason I'm not saying Fulham in there, they're five points clear of the Premier League and scoring goals for fun with ex Newcastle United. Striker Alexander Mitrovic already breaking the goal-scoring record. He's been brilliant this season. Um, but, yeah, no. Good luck, Brucey. Really good luck. But um, when you don't get them up, um, I'm really looking forward to the Simon White and... Uh, sorry, Jim White and Simon Jordan show. Just being, oh, well, it's hard to come in in January and turn things around with the players. No, that was his job. That was his only job, was to come in in January and turn things around. That was his only job, Simon I'm, I'm just Simon Jordan. Say, I'm sure you'd be the same here of just how it goes for him. Look, I don't wish anything bad on, on Steve Bruce. I like, oh, he does a good job, you know, that sort of thing. Like, I'm just, from an outsider, I just want to, what it's going to be like looking in at West Brom. I want to see how the fans react to the football. I want to see how the, if the players raise the game. Whether the same complaints come up about, you know, the train and the disorganised defence, that sort of thing. And the the media, how they report on West Brom fans when, you know, when it ultimately goes to pot. All that sort of thing. So I'm going to sit there with a nice beer and watch this all unfold. But like I'm going to be watching unfold on Tuesday night, as you will be, Alex, as well. Everton at home. We have a fantastic opportunity here to drag another team into this relegation fight. And forget about Dele Alli, forget about Donny van der Beek, forget about Frank Lampard. Everton Football Club are rotten to the court at the minute. And this is a fantastic opportunity for Newcastle to go in there, get three points, and put them in serious bother. I don't really think a lot of their signings that they've made in January are overly smart. The problem with Everton at the moment now is the same problem they had under Roberto Martinez um, uh, all those years ago and Ronald Koeman all those years ago, they've got seven or eight number tens. Yeah. Where do you play them all? How do you play them all? Their midfield is so full of just human beings. <laughs> like, I, how do you fit all of them players in? Decore, Alam, Alex Awobi, Richarlison, uh, Dominic Calvert-Lewin. You've also then got Andros Townsend that was signed this uh, this year. Damari Gray. Then you had the new signings in there of Deli Alley, of <laughs> of Donny van der Beek. Then you've got Tom Davis as well, who's always been a good player for them and, and has come through their right ranks and is very well liked by a lot of the support of fan base. There's eight players there, Harry. Where do you play them? Who do you play? What goes on? Um, so, yeah, no, the, the disorganisation is going to take a couple of weeks for Frank Lampard to, to sort out, I think. I, I think it, Tuesday is a little bit too soon for him. So, yeah, if we can if we can get um, Bruno in and he can start the game off right and like Matt Target and Dan Burner are fit and Chris Wood can get off the ground and actually score a goal, that, then, yeah, why not? Let's mug them. Let's mug Everton. Let's have them at home. Why not? 52,000 Jordan is screaming every single minute of that second. Yeah, let's do it. I'm buzzing for Tuesday. I think everybody just can't wait to, like for Bruno because he's got to start, hasn't he? I know he's only had limited training, 
from the video we've seen today with the club, he is he, he's trained. He'll probably train tomorrow. They'll have a day off Sunday. So I think Bruno will be in contention at the start. But are you are you bringing in Target? Are you bringing in Danburn as well? Yeah, both of them start. Um, like I know they've booked deadline day signings, and um, Eddie Howe, Eddie Howe hasn't probably um, seen them in the warm weather training conditions over in Jeddah. But with Jamal Lewis not there, is he going to look on paper and go, well, actually? Mark Ritchie played really well and trained really well, and then we've got Di- uh, we've got Matt Target. Really good targets. at kicking corner flags. Let's get him in the team. <laughs> I, I I don't know. No, no. I think I think Target definitely starts. Dan Byrne might be a little bit too early. I think uh, I think he he might have worked on some specific things for Everton with Everton in line with the uh, the warm weather weather training over in Saudi Arabia. So that might be a little bit too much of a rush, but um, definitely Target and uh, and Bruno definitely. I certainly think we're going to have a lot of momentum going into the match, aren't we? Because, look, we've had the training camp, which seemed to have brought the group a lot closer together. And, of course, like we've not even mentioned here, we've won a game, like we've won another match. We beat Leeds 1-0. What a fantastic afternoon that was. And that could be the turning point in the season, couldn't it? Because I think if I thought we played really well against Leeds and it could have been two or three in the end. If we bring that level of performance here against Everton, I know I would probably say on paper Everton are a better side than Leeds, but they're not as not a good coach, are they? Like Bielsa's a better coach than Lampard and Benitez. Yeah, 100%. Um, and I, especially when Benitez towards the end was facing mutiny from all angles. Brilliant, like yeah. you, you can't imagine that um, they would have got a serious amount of training done there. Um, and then over the, over the last couple of weeks, the, the person we are forgetting about like while Lampard wasn't there is Duncan Ferguson. Still and I there, think Duncan Ferguson. Yeah, Duncan Ferguson would have really, really had them had them well drilled. So potentially, yeah, like they, that could be a, a factor. I've only just remembered about Duncan Ferguson actually, yeah. so that could have been a factor. But um, no, they, yeah, I, I, I think we'll we'll go there and beat them. Um, but if we are going to touch on the Leeds game um, for a second, I do want your opinion on this because I've been hiding this one from all <laughs> of the Newcastle United fans. So I, on, why not get it on a Newcastle Bible podcast? Leeds should definitely have saved. Shelby's free kick, shouldn't they? Oh, yeah, but we should have had a penalty. Yeah, that, again, that's very true. Again, yeah. this is very true. Yeah, we should have had a penalty as well. Win, so. I think. The, the most refreshing thing from the game, I thought, and I, I, you'll probably feel the same here as well, was when we went 1-0 up against Watford, we sat back, went into our shell, conceded. Against Leeds, a team that are you know known for being gun-ho, it's like basketball playing against them, super fit. I thought we outran them, and we could have scored a few more at the end. I mean, Willock's chance was a great save from Elliot, wasn't it? And if it's Joe Willock of last season, he scores it. Yeah. Again, that that's another thing. But confidence is a big thing in football. I think we all we're all realizing that, out, aren't we? And yeah, exactly. With the win we've uh, got, I think it's only going to help, isn't it? Uh, yeah, and the when you are playing Leeds, we've we've had that lead before and sat back. We've done that this season. Um, like when when they were absolutely coming at us the last 10 minutes we just sat back when we could have counted and mm-hmm. potentially got something out of that game apart from a draw but yeah Leeds are that very they hit you in the mouth you've kind of got to stand there and take it and then hang on a minute well you can't take punches forever you've kind of got to hit back sometimes so yeah. if you punch them you might you better make it a hard punch because they're going to come at you with everything and they did they threw everything at, at, at us did Leeds and they were a very very good football side and um they no, they didn't deserve anything out of the game. We deserved the four three points out of it. But no, Everton are going to be a similar challenge of it. We did outrun Leeds. Hopefully, we can outrun Everton as well. 
so many subplots to choose, isn't there? I mean, they're, they're, we've got the whole Scouse Mackens thing going on. Because Everton fans don't like us and we don't like them. I don't know why. It's all a bit weird. I've, every Evertonian I've met have always, have always been lovely. But for some reason, we all don't get along. And then we have the Mackham in goal, Jordan Pickford. The last time he played in a game at St. James's Park, he absolutely lost his head. Tuned a little at half-time, saved the penalty, thought he was the big man, full-time, 3-2 down and offering fans out in the in the stands. Do you think we get the Pickford England number one, or do we get Pickford the Sunderland fan on Tuesday? We get Pickford the Everton goalkeeper, I'll add the third one. We get Pickford the, third, the Everton goalkeeper, which is bang average. Does Lampard drop him? Because Ancelotti dropped him in the game last season here, brought in Robin Olsen, and that was behind closed doors. No, I, I don't think he does drop him. I don't think he can. I don't know what Everton's backup goalkeeper situation is, truth be told, honestly, but they don't have a keeper. I think it's Right, uh, again, do you trust Asmir Begovic in, in this situation? Last year when they dropped him, uh, uh, or Angelotti dropped him last year, it was Robin Olsen, uh, Swedish international, absolutely brilliant. Um, they don't have that now. Robin Olsen now plays for Aston Villa. Um, so... I wouldn't drop him personally because I think if if Frank Lampard puts an arm around him and says, right, can you use that energy you bring for positivity today instead of a negativity like you did last time? And if Jordan Pickford says yes, you've got to trust your goalkeeper. You, you, you have to. So I think we get Jordan Pickford, the Everton goalkeeper. And I think, well, I, I don't think I know. Jordan Pickford, the Everton goalkeeper is... 15th in this league uh, of mm. quality um like i don't i don't really rate him jordan pickford england number one is a top five yeah goalkeeper in this premier league but um jordan pickford for everton is bang average and really 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 not very very good so yeah um it would be really nice because he's going to get a lot of stick and it, it, it will be really funny if he completely loses his head like he did last season but <laughs> i don't think i don't think he will do I think he's just got to ignore everyone, hasn't he? I mean, it's going to be even tougher now because, like, he was getting all of that, like, grief and, you know, the atmosphere was so electric under Astley. And, like, now it's, you know, there's such a good buzz about the club. Like, they're going to be bane for his blood. But hopefully we get the Pickford that completely loses his head because I think if he if he does come out like Sunderland fan in between the sticks, we've got a fantastic chance of winning this game. I, I think we do already, but it's only going to enhance our chances but I think that's a probably a good way to end and we always like to end with our score predictions Alex I'll let you go first Newcastle versus Everton Tuesday night under the lights St James's Park what are you going for 2-1 Newcastle 2-1 Newcastle United who's going to score Chris Wood oh yes and Alan St Maximan beautiful do you know what I'm going for it 3-0 Newcastle oh I love it yeah, I love it. We've got Trippier, we've got Matt Target, we've got Dan Byrne bringing that confidence to that back line. It's only going to, I think Shaw will probably start again. I think he might drop the cells. You know, Shaw was man of the match against Leeds, doesn't deserve to be dropped. Trippier is going to take the armband. We've got Bruno, the buzz around the place for that man getting on that pitch. It's going to be unreal. And I think we're finally going to get that goal out of Chris Ward. I think Max is going to have a good night. I mean, look, not to diminish Everton at all. I think they're a good side. I mean, Calvert Lewin's back for them now. Charleston's finding his feet. Damari Gray's an excellent place. They've got a lot of quality, but I think it's going to be our night on Tuesday. And I think no matter what Everton throw at us, we're going to have an answer to, and I think we're going to beat them 3-0. I hope so, because it's a huge week coming up. We've got Aston Villa on the Sunday. We're going to record a podcast in between that game, so you'll get our reaction to the match 
on Tuesday after that. But this has been Time Warp brought to you by Vavil UK. Make sure you do check out our website for our comprehensive coverage of Newcastle United, the Premier League, the EFL, you name it, we've got it. Thanks to Alex for coming on. Dan, you'll be on next week. <laughs> we'll make sure of that. No more pub. But from us two lads, thank you very much for listening and we will catch you all next time. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.